our gracious and loving creator. Thank you, Father, for another, another day of life and health and strength, another opportunity to open up your word and study and grow. Bless us, Father, as we'll be studying in this, in this video a very timeless and powerful parable that was taught by your son, Jesus. We pray, Father, that this parable will touch our hearts, that we will read it with fresh eyes, and that, Father, we can especially make sure that we apply the teaching into our everyday lives. Bless us, Father, in this effort. I continue to pray and be mindful of your people across the globe. In Jesus' name, amen. You have your Bible with you. Please take it out and go over into the Gospel of Luke. Will you please go to Luke, the 10th chapter? Let's begin by reading Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse number 25. We will let these verses set the scene for everything we want to talk about in this particular Bible study video as we consider, as we continue to consider the parables of Jesus. In Luke, the 10th chapter, in verse number 25, in verse 25, the Bible says, And a lawyer stood up and put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan who was on a journey, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him and whatever more you spend. When I return, I will repay you. Verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands, and he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. I want you to ponder on that powerful parable for just a moment or two. My dear friends, this parable we just read is one of the most Famous parables to be told in the history of the world. It is one of the most famous stories in all the world. It is the story. It is the story of the Good Samaritan. 
the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is a parable that I'm pretty sure for those of us who are Christian parents, we started teaching our children this parable from the time they were very small. It is also a parable that we may have heard taught dozens and dozens of times. It's a parable that is timeless. It is rich. It has impacted culture after culture after culture for thousands of years. The parable of the Good Samaritan is one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever told and one of the most famous parables in the history of the world. It is a parable that teaches us important lessons about how we should treat other people. It teaches us exactly how to treat our neighbor, how to love our neighbor, how to be kind to our neighbor. It is a story that actually begins with a lawyer asking Jesus a very important question. If you noticed in the text we just read, the Bible says that a lawyer who was trying to test Jesus questioned him about eternal life. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He asked Jesus this very important question. Now, let's talk about the word tempted that is used in the text. Going back to what the text said again, look at Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, verse 25. Some of your translations use the word tempt here. Maybe if you have a New King James, the word tempt is used. But my translation says, a lawyer, a lawyer stood up and put him, put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if your translation happens to use the word tempt here, let me just say that this word tempted that is used here means to test. That's why the New American Standard translates the word test. It means to test something thoroughly. This lawyer is tempting or testing Jesus thoroughly. The word could be used here to the lawyer trying to trap Jesus, and that was something that Jesus' enemies often tried to do. They often tried to trap him. They often tried to ask questions that were designed to isolate him from sections of his audience. They asked questions that were designed to make people angry with him and to diminish his influence. This word tempted or test that is used here could be referring to the lawyer trying to trap Jesus with this very controversial question that was discussed among the religious leaders, or the word test could be used here to make a reference to this lawyer trying to test the knowledge of Jesus. He's trying to test Jesus as a rabbi. He's trying to test his knowledge of the word of God. The word could be used as a reference to both of these things. This question, this question that the lawyer asked Jesus is certainly the most important question. It is the most important question that anyone could ever ask. 
I mean, think about it. Can you think of a more important question than this one? Can you think of any more important question than, than, than that anyone could ever ask anyone besides what must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to have a relationship with God as a preacher of the gospel? I cannot think of any more important question that a person could ask me than this one. In fact, I hope people ask me this question constantly. It is, it is one of my goals, one of my dreams, one of my ambitions is to have people constantly ask me the question of, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? This man wants to know what to do to be right with God. Now, Let's continue with this dialogue that he and Jesus has, because while this question is very important, there are some very intriguing things that I think we need to highlight about what's going on here. First, notice how after asking the most important question, Jesus responded to this man's question by turning the tables on him. Did you notice that? Notice how instead of just telling him the answer to the question, Jesus turned the tables by asking him a question. He asked him what is written in the law. The law, there's a reference to the law of Moses, the law that was in force at this time. He says what is written in the law, how does it read to you? You're supposed to know the word of God so how does it read to you? What is your interpretation of it? Before I answer it, you tell me what do you think? What is written in the word of God concerning this matter? The man answered, according to what is written in the law, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. That was the response that this lawyer gave to the question of Jesus, and this answer is, is a correct summary of the Ten Commandments. If you know your Ten Commandments well, that are found Throughout the first five books of the Old Testament, they're found in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. If you know your Ten Commandments, then you know that the answer this man gave is a correct summary of the Ten Commandments. It is a reference to verses like Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. And Deuteronomy 11 and verse 13. And Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. This is in fact the same answer that Jesus himself gave to another lawyer on another occasion in Mark chapter 12. Remember in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 29. Mark 12 and verse number 29. After a scribe or a lawyer asked Jesus the question of what commandment is the foremost of all, Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated he is one and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Notice how here in the case of Jesus and in the case of this lawyer in Luke chapter 10 when answering the question of what is the foremost commandment, what must I do to inherit eternal life, both Jesus and the lawyer correctly summarize the Old Testament law. The Ten Commandments. This lawyer answered the question correctly. Jesus does not dispute his answer to the question, but Jesus, being the divine Son of God, he knew the man's heart. He knew that while this lawyer answered the question correctly, he really wasn't applying the verses he quoted. He really didn't love his neighbor as he should. This is exactly why the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now, before we go any further, let me take a moment or two to try to explain and talk with you about what a lawyer was in the time of first century Israel. I think it's important that we know exactly who this man was. You see, lawyers in the time of first century Israel did not tend to be how we think of lawyers in 21st century America. You see, in the time of Jesus, in the time of first century Israel, lawyers were not people who would go into a courtroom and stand before a judge and argue a person's guilt or innocence. They were not people who had to pass a bar exam and were part of a firm or something. That's not what a lawyer typically was in the time of first century Israel. Instead, when the Bible says that this man was a lawyer, it's referring to the fact that this man was a very skilled religious teacher. He was, in fact, an expert, an expert in the law of Moses. He was someone who spent his day studying the law of Moses, discussing the law of Moses, debating the law of Moses, arguing about the law of Moses, trying to interpret the application of the law of Moses. During the time of first century Israel, during the time of Jesus, Lawyers were experts in the law of Moses. They were very skilled and knowledgeable religious teachers. Few people in this time were more skilled in the law than lawyers. A lawyer was somebody who was skilled in the law of Moses. So this lawyer, this expert, this expert in the law, he comes to Jesus He comes to what we know to be the chief expert, the creator, the savior, the redeemer, this lawyer, this 
quote unquote expert in the law, he comes to a Jewish rabbi, he comes to Jesus, and he asks him not only what must I do to inherit eternal life, a question that had probably been debated quite often among the lawyers of that day. He not only comes to Jesus asking him this very important question, but he also asks him about the application of it. He also asks him about the application of the requirement to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the questions that this lawyer came to Jesus asking, and I want to suggest that there are a couple of interesting things that we need to point out about these questions asked by the lawyer. Let's start with the first question, shall we? The first question. The question of what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Again, that is a very important question. There is no more important question than that one. But while that question is of the utmost importance, it seems to be a very silly question for him to ask. It seems to be a very ridiculous and unnecessary question for this man to ask because the text makes it very clear that he already knew the answer to it. He already knew the answer to his own question. You know, as a, as a preacher and a Bible class teacher, this is something that, that I've experienced quite often. You know, often in a Bible class, or just in a religious discussion with someone, someone will ask a question that they already know the answer to. And they'll get upset with you if you don't answer the question in the way that they want it to be answered. Bible class teachers often have a lot of experience with people asking questions that they seem to already know the answer to or they think they know the answer to, and they get upset with you when you don't answer it the way they desire. This man asks a question that he already seems to know the answer to. I mean, that's exactly why Jesus told him in Luke 10 and verse 28, you have answered correctly. Jesus says you already know the answer to this question. Here Jesus is exposing how ridiculous it was for this man to ask this question. He's exposing how silly it was for this man of all people, a lawyer, to ask a very fundamental and important question like this one when it was something that he talked about and debated and studied all day long. Jesus exposes here how ridiculous it was for this man to ask this question, and maybe that's why the lawyer then goes on to ask a second question. Maybe because he had asked a question, that he already knew the answer to, and Jesus exposed that. Maybe that's why the scripture says in Luke 10, 29, but wishing to justify himself, wishing to justify himself, notice, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? What does the Bible mean when it says that this man came and he, tried, he started trying to justify himself? How was he trying to justify himself? Well, maybe... When you consider carefully the context of what's going on here, maybe he's trying to justify why he asked the first question. Maybe because he's now looking silly in front of the crowd. Maybe because he's now feeling like an idiot in front of the crowd because he already because he asked a question that he already knew the answer to. Maybe he's trying to justify why he asked that question. 
Maybe he's tried to ask a follow-up question suggesting to Jesus, well, the answer to my first question, it's, it's not as easy to answer as it seems. I mean, sure, Jesus, the law tells us to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, but can we really know who that is? Can we truly know who our neighbor is? I hear what you're saying, Jesus, and I know the law says that, but I don't think it's as easy to answer as you're trying to make it to be. I don't, I don't think this is just something that we need to stop talking about right now. Who, who is our neighbor? Can we really know that? I think this lawyer is trying to trying to stop the embarrassment he's facing right now. He's trying to justify why he asked the question that he seemed to already know the answer to, and it is the second question. The second question of who is my neighbor? That is what prompts Jesus to tell one of the most famous stories in all the world, and that is the story about a man, a Jewish man, mind you, who was traveling on a road, a road that descends from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's traveling on a road, on a road, and he is beaten by some thieves. He is assaulted. The scripture says that this man, he fell among robbers and they stripped him. They took his clothes off and they and they beat him and they and they robbed him and, and they left him to die. This man was traveling on a very dangerous road in the first century, and he's assaulted. He's left to die. He's shown no, compar no compassion, grace, or mercy. And Jesus goes on to say that, that a priest, a priest, a religious man, a man who's supposed to be a servant of God, a man who is supposed to know the word of God, a man who is supposed to be holy, and someone who, who is supposed to minister to the people of God, a priest comes along and he sees this man hurt. He sees this man dying. He sees this man in need of some, of some serious compassion and help, and he goes the other way. He acts like he doesn't even see him. He passes by on the other side. And not only does he do that, but a Levite, another Jewish man, a man from a priestly lineage, a Levite, he also comes along the road and he also sees this Jewish brother hurt. He sees him naked. He sees him in pain. He sees him in need of compassion and grace. And he also turns the other way. He also goes around the other side both the priest and the Levite. This man's Jewish brothers, religious men, men who had high expectations placed upon them and the service of God, neither one of these men help him. The only person that helps him is a Samaritan. Jesus says that while the priests and the Levite came along and did nothing to help the man, 
A Samaritan of all people, he also came along that road. He's traveling on that road. And he does help the man. Verse 33 says that the Samaritan, he was on a journey. He came upon him and he saw him. And he didn't just look the other way. He didn't turn a blind eye. He didn't pass around on the other side. Instead, he did something that the other two guys, the other two Jewish men, refused to do. And that is he showed compassion. He had compassion. That's where it starts. But not only did he have compassion, he also took action. He did something. He came to him. And he bandaged up his wounds. And he poured oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast. He gives him transportation. And he brings him to an end. And he took care of him. He makes sure he receives rest and medical attention. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Notice how he's paying the man's expenses here. And he said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. I will re make restitution for whatever extra expenses this man accumulates. The Samaritan of all people. It's the one who saves this Jewish man's life. He shows him compassion, grace, mercy. He shares his money with him, his transportation. He saves his life. My dear friends, I want to emphasize that only, only when we understand only when we understand the background between the relationship of the Jews and the Samaritans can we really appreciate the power of what Jesus is talking about here. This is such a powerful story. It is a radical story. It is a story that would have been offensive to most of the Jews in Jesus' time. Why would it be offensive? Well, we need to understand during this time, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. The Jews had absolute disdain for Samaritans. In John 4 and verse 29, John says that the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Why? Well, because they were the Samaritans were half Jewish and half Gentile. They had Gentile blood in them. And the Jews had a prejudice against that. They did not view them. And as authentic Jews, they had no respect for them. They wanted nothing to do with them. They didn't want to talk with them, eat with them, walk with them, even touch the same objects that they touched. They didn't want them at the temple. They didn't want them coming through their land. They didn't want to travel through their land. They hated the Samaritans. And yet, the Samaritan is the good guy in the story. In the story that Jesus tells to a Jewish audience, he doesn't make the priest the good guy. He doesn't make the Levite the good guy. Instead, he makes the Samaritan the good guy. The Samaritan is the only person who helped this Jewish man on the road. Here Jesus tells a parable about a Jewish man who is assaulted on a dangerous road that descends from Jerusalem to Jericho, and the only person that helps him 
It's not the Levite. It's not the Jewish priest. It's the Samaritan. It is someone who had a racial makeup that the Jews could not stand. It is someone who had Gentile blood. Jesus says the Samaritan. He's the good guy in the story. He's the one that helped this Jewish man. In fact, notice how after Jesus told the parable, he then asked the lawyer a very important question. After telling this, this, this great parable here that we just read, Jesus in Luke 10, 36, asked the lawyer, which of these three, out of the Levite and the priest and the Samaritan, the Samaritan, out of those three, do you, which of them do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Jesus says, who's the good guy in the story? Who's the guy who proved to be a neighbor? Who is the guy that was pleasing before the Lord in this matter? That's what Jesus asked the lawyer on this occasion. And while the answer was Obvious. It was obvious. The Lord just couldn't make himself say it. He just couldn't get his mouth to say it because of his prejudice against Samaritans at this time. He could not make him say that the Samaritan was the good guy. He could not make him say that the Samaritan was the Jewish man's neighbor in the story. Instead, he just had to say, well, the one who showed the guy mercy. <laughs> he couldn't make himself say the Samaritan. He couldn't make himself acknowledge the Samaritan is the Jewish man's neighbor. Instead, he just had to say, oh, the guy who showed mercy. I can just picture it in my mind. I can picture him saying that even. With total disgust. Not the Samaritan, but the one who showed mercy toward him. That's the neighbor in the story. And then to add more insult to it, Jesus said to him, well, go and do the same. Go and be like a Samaritan. Go and be like the Samaritan. That's the good guy in the story. Now do you see why most Jews would have thought Jesus' teaching here was totally offensive. They would have been angry. That lawyer probably left furious that he was told to go and be like a Samaritan. The Samaritan was the guy that we all need to be like in the story. And so I just want to close by giving you a few lessons, a few practical lessons that we can learn from this timeless and powerful parable. First, from this parable, we learn something about who's our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Remember, the parable was actually prompted by the question of, well, who is our neighbor? Can we really know who that is? Well, Jesus answers that question clearly in the parable of the Good Samaritan. When it comes to who your neighbor is, and when it comes to who my neighbor is, according to Jesus, our neighbor is anyone who needs our help. It is anyone who needs our help. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. It doesn't matter what their sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. 
Doesn't matter if they're Republican, Democrat, or Independent. Doesn't matter if they're from the East Coast, the West, the, the West Coast, or the Midwest, or the South. It doesn't matter if they can speak English or not. It doesn't matter what their background is. When you look at how Jesus talks about a Samaritan helping a Jewish man, the point is clear. The point is your neighbor, my neighbor, is anyone who needs our help. It is anyone who needs our help. That is the main point of the parable. The main point of the parable is to teach us that our neighbor is anyone who needs our help. According to this parable, when we have the opportunity and the ability to help other people, whether they're Christian or not, mind you, and we turn our hearts the other way like the priest and the Levite did, we're neither serving God nor our fellow man. We're not glorifying God. We're not keeping what is the essence of his law, both in the New Testament and, and the Old Testament. I mean, under the Old Testament, the law of God could be summed up with by saying love God and love your neighbor. And that's the same thing with the New Testament law. The New Testament gospel law that we're under, it can be summed up by saying love God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the gospel is all about. And when we turn away and don't help people when they need our help, we're not serving God and we're not serving our fellow man. But then a third lesson that I think we can take away from this has to do with our application of God's word. When you go back to Luke chapter 10 and you look at verse 37, we see that as this whole conversation wraps up here, one of the things that Jesus wants us to, to understand that is, is that if we're really going to be pleasing to God, if we're really going to be servants of God, if we're really going to glorify God at the highest level, then we got to do more than just study God's word. We got to do more than just read God's word and discuss God's word and, and have debates and maybe even disagreements and arguments over God's word. The word of God is designed for us to do more than just that. One of the main things we got to do in addition to reading it and studying it and talking about it and even debating it is we got to do it. We have to apply the teaching to our lives. In James chapter 1 and verse 22, James says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude or deceive yourselves. You see, this lawyer here in Luke chapter 10, he knew the word of God. He knew the right answer to the question that he asked, but he wasn't doing what the word of God said. He knew about the need to love his neighbor as himself, but he wasn't doing that. He wasn't loving his neighbor as himself, and Jesus told him to go and do it. You know it, you talk about it, you read it, but do you do it? You're not doing it. You need to go and do it. Be like the Samaritan. Be like the Samaritan. Show compassion. Show grace. Show mercy. From this powerful parable, we learn that it's not enough just to read. We need to read. We need to read God's word. We need to study it. We need to talk about it. We even need to debate it from time to time. No doubt that's true, but that's not enough. 
if we don't do what God's word says, if we don't apply the teaching, then it's really not doing much good for us in our lives. It's really not doing anything besides filling up our mental filing cabinets. We got to do it. Jesus told this man, you know the information, now go apply it. Do what God says and let us also follow that same instruction. Let us do everything God says. Let us be like the Samaritan and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so this parable teaches us who is our neighbor. And it also challenges us to be doers of the word of God. That's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in our next study, we're going to stay in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to move on to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to study three powerful parables in that chapter. Three powerful parables about three lost things. We're going to learn some things about God and about his love and his forgiveness. And we're also going to maybe learn some things about ourselves and how we need to view others when God embraces them and extends his forgiveness to them. And so I look forward to studying with you in a few days. Thank you for studying with me in this, in this video. May God bless you and may God keep you.